0: Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsay Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsay Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is going on?
0: It's going on as somebody shooting fireworks on March 9th, a Thursday, at 7 p.m. I don't even know if it's fully dark out there.
1: No. In the middle of March, not even spring yet, still winter, fireworks going off, totally normal. It's not um, even that,
0: I mean, it's dark, but it's not, I feel like it gets darker in a couple of hours. Just wait till nine. Who starts the fireworks at seven?
1: The, it makes zero sense. Uh, but we hear the same thing in Cincinnati all the time, and I question it. And, you know, it's, people are bored, I guess. Uh, but I'm kind of bored. I'm ready for a free agency to get here. We'll get to more of kind of the outlook of what that looks like. The Bengals had two signings today. Joe B. It was Joe Bocci over on the defensive side of the ball linebacker and uh, Jalen Davis, when it comes to the secondary, what did you think about those signings
0: special teamers? <laughs> it's the first thing that read through my mind. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, cheap special team talent, keep them um, Joe Bocci, uh, The ball has uh, stepped in and played some linebacker at times. So that's, that's a good one to keep. Um, I mean, Jalen Davis, When he plays corner, he seems fine. I don't think he ever – he hasn't really gotten in there in too many actual game scenarios. Like end of the Panthers game when they're down like 100 to three, he got in there. And um, in this one Steelers game like three years ago, he got in there. And I don't remember how he played. I assume it was pretty good since they kept him around. But really, when you're talking about this as defensive players, sure, whatever. They're very deep depth. If they're playing, you probably have a couple issues. But when it comes to special teamers, they're two of the big guys.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, Jalen Davis was definitely one of Lou's favorites. And then when you look at the linebacker room, especially if they move on from Jermaine Pratt, you have guys in Logan Wilson, Akeem uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Marcus Bailey, and then you you have...
0: Joe Bacci would be in the in the running. I think he'd be in the competition for starting linebacker. So I don't want to downplay that too much because they do like him. I just – if it's me, I think it's Akeem Davis-Gather or Marcus Bailey, and he's kind of a, the third guy out. But um, I don't know. I, I think he could win it. I wouldn't be, like, completely shocked if he was the starting guy week one.
1: I wasn't planning on doing this, but I actually want to talk about it with Akeem Davis-Gaither because I kind of felt this way going into last season. I felt like he was going to be the guy that really took a jump. But when you think of this year and the opportunity, I feel like he's going to have when it feels like the writing's on the wall, but they'll be moving on from Jermaine Pratt and Jermaine Pratt's going to go sign elsewhere. Um, What do you think about Akeem Davis-Gaither going into this season?
0: Uh, A little small, very athletic, brick hands a little bit. (laughs) I feel like he's dropped like six interceptions, and he's caught like two. Not a great, not a great success rate so far on that. I like him though. Um, I was surprised in the game he started that he played so well. Um, they asked him to be the end man on the line of scrimmage, like play up on the line of scrimmage, take on pulling blocks and tight ends and whatnot. In the game that Pratt missed, when that's usually Pratt's job, but Pratt's bigger than him, so it made sense. When he went in there i was like oh they probably can't do that that uh front that they like to play and instead he stepped up and he played really well so i liked what King davis gaither brought in that game and it made me think like oh i think uh i think the bengals might be moving on pretty soon from pratt because they've got a guy that they can feel they feel can perform 80 percent as well as jermaine pratt at a um, big big discount compared to what pratt's probably gonna get in the open market so uh, that, that's, that's my Keen Davis Gaither thoughts. I think he's high potential. He's athletic. And um, I'm not nervous about him starting week one. unlike like, I would be about like a, a Tyson Anderson starting week one or something.
1: Yeah, and that I feel like we're going to get those questions answered next week. Um, I I don't think that you're going to wait until the draft to take more safeties at the safety position if they do move on from Von Bell, and they're obviously going to move on from Jesse Bates, but I still have faith that Von Bell is going to come back, and we'll really see if that deal gets done. When free agency officially starts next week, looking forward to that, but we'll back it up a little bit because we went really offensive heavy on Tuesday's episode when it comes to the combine. I feel like my mind has changed 5,000 in different times and we're only sitting at march 9th right now when i think of who i want the bengals to take at 28 the no you, overall from the beginning i kind of thought you know get best player available and that hasn't changed but then i thought tied in that's what you need or offensive line let's look at this offensive line class is that someone that they can get at 28 without reaching then I see the pass rush. I see the combine. I see these guys, these stars. And I think if you think about the Super Bowl, if you think about the AFC championship game, then yes, we talk about the offensive line. You think of pass rush. You think of guys getting to Joe Burrow. And I want that on my team, getting to the other quarterback. We look at the AFC North. Those guys are all over in the division. And I want Cincinnati to have that on their defensive line. And yes, their defensive line is already pretty expensive, but you get a rookie in there and uh, you start saving some money on, on the defensive line and you need that playmaker. So my mind's kind of changing a little bit when it comes to pass rush or just the defensive line alone. Did anybody stick out for you at the combine?
0: Yeah, especially defensive linemen. You look at a guy they met in Nolan Smith had a terrific combine. Um, Kalijah Cansey did the John Ross, but for defensive tackles where he I think he broke the record for defensive line 40 time and then went, see ya, <laughs> didn't do anything else. So if he could make it, um, that's another guy that had a good combine. Uh, another guy would be Tomawa Adeboware. I, I hope can. that's correctly pronounced. He ran as an edge rusher, so I feel like it went underappreciated. But what he did was he ran a tenth of a second faster than Kansi at the same weight and the same height so he's the same build as Cansey, but he was a full tenth of a second faster and can broke the record for fastest 40 so heck of a day from him so when i'm thinking high-end guys those are the guys i'm looking at also um is it gervon dexter had a really good combine as well haven't watched him too much so there's a few guys that had some good combines on the defensive line and then i mean every corner i think ran a four three uh in the entire thing so that's always an option that feels very Bengals to go to corner at 28, right?
1: I think you get the corner at 28 and you start to think about that future of the position. We talked about it a couple weeks ago that, yeah, you have Cheeto coming back from injury. Cam Taylor-Britt proved that he could really step up out there. You have the nickel and uh, Mike Hilton. But at the same time, an injury can happen at any point in the season. And the secondary is extremely important on the defensive side of the ball. So if they do get a rookie, you know, maybe he has to step up if they have to get some reps um, uh, in the secondary, or maybe this is kind of a developmental piece because they could be moving. On from Cheeto after the season because this this is his last year of his contract, so I agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all with it being in the 20s that they take a corner for corners. There, I still think their mindset is best player available. The smoke screen of all the formal interviews, the pro days they go to, I don't look too much into who Cincinnati's talking to. Um, I don't think we know who they're going to get at 28 right about now. There's a handful of players. Uh, but that's a really good problem to have when, yeah, they have a few holes on, on both sides of the ball, but you are still in a really good position that you can get a guy. You can get a guy that's, that develops into that piece, but I'm kind of looking more for a starter who can who can step on the field right away, and, and maybe that's what they have in their mind. It was different when they drafted Dax Hill last year because he was going to be the replacement of Jesse Bates, and you know he didn't get all of the reps out there, but he did get some in a training camp and really never played in, in his position, so I can't wait to see him out there in the safety position next year but you know at secondary I could see that happening when it comes to the defensive line or anybody in the pass rush category do you think that they will be there at 28?
0: I do think Adetomiwa Adabawari would be there I don't think he had the production or the tape to really send him off as a top 25 pick um I don't think Nolan Smith or Kalashikansu will be there I just when I have a feeling for it it's just I think both those guys are gone. I think there's going to be a corner there, like a guy that is probably by consensus around one guy. There's so many good corners in this draft that it would be hard not for one to be there. You think last year Kyrie Elam was there for the Bills when they picked around this spot. Um, well, I guess they're a little bit earlier, but still, yeah. Trent McDuffie and George Koloftis were there for the Chiefs when they were picking two. Uh, who else? I don't think I mentioned anybody else. That's a first round pick that might be there, might not. Um, the more I keep trying to read the tea leaves, I feel like they might go tackle. And I don't know how I feel about that. Cause you know, I, I have said that I think these guys are a little more like round two types, but they had a top 30 visit with Dewan Jones, um, which is bigger than a just official unofficial visit, I think. And it does seem like they might bypass buying a free agent offensive lineman. And then I'll tell you, I mean, the guys that are there in round two are much worse than the guys there in round one is the issue. So do you reach on that because you won't get something in round two or do you try to take BPA? Um, I don't know. Like when my, when I ask my gut, Michael Mayer ends up being, I feel like that just ends up happening. I don't know why it feels like the Bengals type of first round pick. And then, my brain is saying it's going to be a corner. And then when I'm trying to perform, <laughs> uh, uh, reading the t- what are reading the future, um, my it's saying that offensive tackle. So in reality, I have no idea what they're doing.
1: I don't know how I feel about tackle. I mean, it sounds silly, and I said that early on, and I think Bengals Twitter was very upset at me because they were like, well, you need to get trenches. Um, Why would you think of a running back or a tight end? That's silly. You know, you need someone to protect Joe Burrow. I know Joe Burrow needs the protection. Um, I think what they need to do next week, but the thing is, it can't be a, a Orlando Brown type of player. It won't be someone that you're going to have to pay millions and $20 million to a year. Um, it's going to still be an okay piece at right tackle. Won't be the future, but it'll be a one-year right tackle piece. I don't know how they feel about Lyle Collins, if he's going to be more of a depth piece or they end up cutting him because we don't know how Lyle's doing when it comes to his recovery. Really not going to know until they get into their spring OTAs in, in a couple of weeks. But at the same time, I don't feel comfortable because what makes me nervous, even though it is a 28 pick, so it's close to the second round, I don't trust them because I'm not even putting Cordell Wilson in this because I still think they go cheap and keep Cordell at left guard, but oh my goodness, I wish people could see the video or podcast right now because Wally the dog Just jumped up.
0: (laughs) He was sitting on my lap and he was like, I want to be on camera.
1: (laughs) I absolutely loved that part of the podcast. Uh, It's better than talking about uh, reaching for an offensive tackle. And that's just how I feel. I mean, I get nervous. I just don't trust them. And at some point they have to get better at drafting offensive linemen. But at this moment... I just – I don't know if I want them to go in that direction, but I agree with you. There are a lot of mock drafts out there. I think even uh, Daniel D- – Jeremiah had one recently where they were taking an offensive lineman. Uh, Dame Brugler is another one who's well-known when it comes to these uh, mock drafts and offensive linemen for the Cincinnati Bengals at 28, and obviously they're talking to people inside the Bengals organization, and some of them are guesses what they think for positional needs. But for me, that makes me a little nervous, and I honestly think a lot of people – in you know Bengals fan base would be like ooh offensive lineman I don't know because it isn't a strong class so that makes me a little nervous.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a strong class in some of the areas the Bengals want it to be in a strong class corner tight yeah. end some of those spots edge rusher D line it's not really a strong class at either of the offensive line spots tackle or guard or center so when you think about that it makes you want to buy the buy the offensive lineman. If you're going to get a new one, the one thing you mentioned about Collins, they keep him as depth piece. He's a top 10 paid right tackle by annual average value. And I know, I think there's some type of incentive about, it's about the games he plays and whatnot. So if it's really incentive laden, who cares? But if he is making what, I think it's only like 7 million, which makes you think like, that's not much. (laughs) But when you look at the list of right tackles, for some reason, right tackle isn't paid anything. So do you keep a $7 million guy as your backup right tackle who's never played left tackle? Maybe, maybe not. It's tough to cut him when he's injured. Um, I would, what I keep thinking is that they get a guy that's a good swing tackle that can start there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> that could start there if uh, he needs to, but all right, bye. <laughs> uh, who could start there if he needs to, but at the same time is a guy that if Collins gets back and he's just good as advertised then he could take that job back like i think if you're paying a guy seven million dollars he should be able to win that job similar to jonah every time i talk about these left tackle upgrades that there are guys that are technically upgrades like orlando brown's better than him it's just he's not double of what jonah is and you have to pay him double and you can't get rid of jonah that's the biggest part. Thirteen million dollars to your backup left tackle is a terrible waste of resources, and he's an average left tackle. I know guys. I mean, there's a group of Bengals fans that I think if Bobby Hart got cut, they might look into him at left tackle because he might be he has he allowed less sacks than Jonah this year, <laughs> type thing. You know, like uh, I, I I feel like everybody is an upgrade over Jonah to some people, but really he's he's an average left tackle. I don't think Donovan Smith, Taylor Lamont, or necessarily upgrades based on how they played this last year i think orlando brown is an upgrade but he's a slight upgrade and that's not worth double the money so even if you find a guy if taylor Lewan comes in competes wins the job great now you have a 13 million dollar backup left tackle that's probably not going to play right tackle for you that's dead weight and you could trade him and lose that money but i don't think they would if i think about the Bengals, they don't trade these guys
1: no and people have to remember, I know you look around the NFL and offensive line play isn't great. And people are always looking for good offensive line players. I mean, unless you're Philadelphia, um, you could even say Kansas city, they have a, they have a solid offensive line, but now they're losing some split now losing some guys that they're not going to be paying. But at the same time, you have to have two teams willing. I know all these trade scenarios are out there, but the Bengals can't do anything unless another team is like, okay, we're willing to do that. And
0: I think of that so much with trade downs, like was like, well, I'll if your guy's not there, it's trade down. It's like, well, somebody has to want to trade up, and if our guy's not there, that means probably somebody else's guy isn't there either. <laughs> like, I'm
1: kind of about that. I do want to talk about that more in our third segment about the trade down and then an outlook for free agency because that's starting to pop more in a lot of mock drafts or just in general when I think about the pick at 28. But next, we'll get to the mailbag questions. Uh, it's always game day in Cincinnati.